been listening to uh, some of the episodes. It's good stuff, man. Oh, yeah, thanks. No, I've been fucking with your pod for, like, a, I think a few months now, actually. Oh, sweet. I think I've... I might have found you when you went on Fed Post. Yeah, we did, like, a crossover episode with those guys. Yeah. Um, you called it, like, the post-left crossover. You know, like, yeah, on yeah. – um, like, Twitter is so – Twitter is so ahead of Instagram. Like Instagram is kind of just now. Like I was, I was kind of on the. I was, I, I'm, I'm mostly like on Twitter, and I really just use Instagram to promote the podcast. And um, uh, Instagram is kind of just now. There's kind of like the theorygram. Um, they call it theorygram. This kind of Instagram, kind of like it's kind of like left Twitter, but it's like the Instagram version. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, they're kind of just now coming around to the post-left thing. I'm seeing, you know, memes pop up here and there talking about post-left. Um, but uh, you guys have been on that for, for some months now. Um, one, one thing I wanted to ask you is, uh, how did you and your podcast get associated with the, uh, the post-left thing? How did that come about? Well, I was... I already was pretty public before I started the show, but the podcast was, you know, I basically already failed as a visual artist, but I had been getting pretty well known as a writer for the last like few years when I started taking it really seriously. And um, I've always considered myself a Marxist, but I remember just like during the Bernie campaign, because I volunteered both Bernie campaigns, which I'm now pretty ashamed of, but either way. <laughs> um, so basically the podcast started as a way for me to explore this like inconsistency because I'm in the art world and I have to hear these people talking about social justice whatever that means it's a total abstraction but you know blm me too all this shit these people claim to want these certain things and yet here was this candidate that from any kind of like clear-headed perspective was like the only person who had a program that was even like capable of addressing inequality in america and yet most of the people in the art world, especially like the super obnoxious people were like, I don't want a white man for a president. I want, you know, so they were like supporting Kamala or like Liz Warren or whatever. But the podcast quickly changed when I realized it wasn't just like a liberal and left split. Like I had to come to the conclusion that the left itself is a huge part of the problem and i never like claimed post left but i don't really care anymore because uh i I don't consider myself a leftist i mean i'm still basically i i still adhere to a marxist critique of political economy and I basically mostly subscribe to like a left com analysis, but at the same time, I just, I hate the fucking left so much and I don't want any part of it anymore. I mean, I'm still basically, the, the podcast is definitely more of a art criticism podcast, but a highly politicized one. 
And I guess we just started getting lumped in with the post left because the, we kind of all gravitated towards each other. Like, you know, I'm friends with Amy and uh, uh, we met the Fed Post guys, uh, you know, that whole crew, um, you know, interviewed Anna and Dasha from the Red Scare for a magazine recently. Oh, no shit. Yeah, yeah, Numero nice. Berlin. For some reason, Numero Berlin is like a super based fashion magazine. They, they like, it's crazy. They'll like, they'll publish something that's like very different than the way that I think in the same magazine as me. Like this new issue coming up, they have me doing an essay about f- feminism and how feminism derives its strength from weakness and then talking about a bunch of films like Michael Haneke's The Piano Teacher where female characters like reject feminist orthodoxies and anyways very surprising like publication choice for a fashion magazine to have like some whatever controversial white guy right (laughs) writing about feminism. So a lot of praise to Numero Berlin. They're doing some brave stuff. Uh, the post-left is also kind of like a weird terminology that was definitely- It is po- weird, yeah. Yeah, because the term itself, it was originally used for like an anarchist group in the 90s. And I think most people that are associated with the post-left to one degree or another hate anarchism. Hate like anarchism, of- yeah. Yeah, yeah, like I've always- Or hate been- people that call themselves anarchists today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, even historical anarchists, I, I fucking hate. Like, yeah, I never really cared too much for them. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm, a, I'm, I'm very influenced politically by Guy Debord and Bordega, and uh, Debord's critique of Bakunin in, in Society of the Spectacle is, it still holds totally true today. I mean, anarchism is just such. The reason, I mean. Good example is our friend. We took out about nine minutes of audio here because we were talking too much shit. Sorry. The internet feels so fake in so many ways, but it's also so very real. Like, especially now that we're all inside. Oh, yeah. Through our screens. Like, this is, this is the, the internet discourse you get caught up in. But I don't know. Did you see Carl Beeger's sam cedar interview the other day i didn't watch the whole thing but i seen like some very goofy clip of him like explaining how sam cedar's like a proletariat or some shit <laughs> yeah man <laughs> this guy has been up in everyone even tangentially associated with this thing called the post left talking shit for like oh, yeah. months now oh yeah 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 carl is just a fucking um Man, I, I there's a lot to say about him, but go ahead. He's yeah, such he's, like a, he just seems like such a nerd too. I mean, yeah, just, like what and the he, fuck? he responds to everybody, like dude. It's like yeah, he's like, what does he do? Yeah, like he's on that fucking Twitter twenty four seven. Same. It's like. bad. It's bad. I mean, we're all probably terminally online, but this motherfucker is like emergency room, get him to the hospital level online. Yeah, and how many followers does he have? And I would like see him like 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 really try to fucking pick on the Fed post or whatever, but he's like just embarrassing himself. Yeah, I mean, he talks shit fucking... to me. I'm like, dude, I got to four thousand followers on Twitter and then got my shit deleted. Like, but they do this on purpose. Like when they when they like quote tweet someone, 
that has a way smaller account than they do, they're literally sicking their followers on that person. Like, and that's actually how, I think that's one of the reasons that so many accounts get deleted is this person kind of just like sharing their opinion or shit posting from this kind of smaller platform then gets fucking hit with all the worst people on the internet then all of a sudden then you're exposed i think that's what happened to my account is people you people report it mass reported or i think i was getting mass reported because i got just uh, they took my account down for saying retard like once <laughs> which means that you know, I had probably already been hit multiple times before that because lots of people say the word retard. I mean, it's not right. It's crazy, man. But yeah, Carl Beegers. So like this guy who does the oh, that's not socialism. That's not Marx. Like that whole fucking song and dance. He, does he doesn't he have even a basic. Oh, he's, he's the write? worst writer I've yeah, ever like read shit. in my life. He's, he's like so shit, yeah. Like 150 words, like of you know, he like it's just an elongated tweet. Like that's his writing style. Are there but multiple I mean, people? Did did I? Did, I think I've heard somewhere that it's like no, it's no, just Paul one guy. Bieger, yeah, we used to think that, but it turns out it's this one sniveling fuck named <laughs> Jacob. <laughs> Oh, people know who he is? Yeah, he's this guy, oh, Jacob. I, I know what he looks like. He looks like you'd Is expect. he white? He's white, yeah. Oh, God, fuck. That's literally so funny. Yeah, yeah. Dude, because you know he has a... Who the fuck is that that's his profile pic, His profile picture, the rapper? Allen Iverson. Or no, the Allen Iverson, the fucking basketball player. <laughs> yeah, and he fucking, you know, and it's like, he kind of tweets in this way. He kind of, like, kind of talks kind of cool, you know, or, like, the way he tries to... It's fucking in, 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 uh, he ends up having to be some like nerd white guy. That's hilarious. Yeah. How surprising. These, yeah. I mean, these people are like, Jacobin's not going to send their top dogs to deal with the post left, <laughs> you know? Like, Boshkar is not going to waste this time with that shit. So they have to have like these kind of janitorial figures within their sphere. And that is, you know, the role that, Carl Jacob Beeger fulfills for them. Yeah, we're. I was. Uh, when I had a uh, CRK on last episode, we were talking about the whole Jacobin apparatus, the uh, DSA left kind of apparatus, um, the intersectional left. But uh, yeah, no, it's fucking. It's this weird. It's this weird. Like, um, like Carl's just kind of just chapo simp. I guess I don't know. Yeah, but uh, it's definitely it's definitely a weird um, a weird situation. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I have. I mean, I should have seen it uh, earlier, and certainly I knew that the left was like riddled with contradictions. But I, I held on to this belief that there was like this real left thing of like people that were very committed to proletarian politics but there just isn't i mean that's not what the left is and historically it's not a, this isn't even that ahistorical of a phenomenon the the left has always been riddled with opportunism and and pretenders and petty bouge kind of liars it's just yeah. that now it's highly accelerated as you know uh, as the left itself, like its class formation is one of 
petty bourgeois striversism that really has no kind of basis in actual working class power. And at this point, I kind of, like, I basically know that the kind of politics that I want to see are not going to happen anytime soon, but I've gotten comfortable with that. I follow basically, you know, Bordiga's theories that there's a certain inevitability to the collapse of capitalism. And, you know, it's hard not to, how do I say this? It's, it's incredibly easy, I think, to get super depressed about what the left has become now uh, in America, in the UK, and et cetera. But it's really not that We're like new. Chapo are the biggest people. That's right. That, yeah. You know, it's like when Chapo, you know, that's the thing. They literally are the most powerful motherfuckers. They, they got the cultural capital. They got the straight up real capital, the Patreon bucks. They make the most money um, by far. Yeah. Um, and they're like, you know, comedians or, you know, like they don't even, their whole thing is like, oh, you know, you can't even criticize us because we're not even doing a, we're not even being serious ourselves anyway. Well, that's you know? their plausible it's like, deniability. Are, right, right, right. But like, these are the people that we're giving the most attention and fucking money to, you know what I mean? Like, what the fuck you think we'd be? No, it's, it's bad. You know? I feel I, bad I, I, about. Well, yeah, you, back to your thing about, you know, like uh, the historicalness of this, but like, I think, I think kind of like a lot of my work, a lot of my theory uh, on this is that it's kind of a particularly a post-internet thing, or it's like an internet thing. You know, a lot of this, uh, where the left has gone, you know, it's like the internet plays, you know, the, the communication technology really plays like a huge role, I think, um, in this in this weird spot we're at with the left and, and et cetera. Well, the internet sped up the it sped up the development of capitalism and capitalism is now in a place where it's able to both reproduce and manage its own descent. But the trends were already in place. I mean, the, you know, the subsumption of left politics into liberal party politics has been happening for decades. That's true. There isn't, That's true. You know, you know, there isn't one union in America that isn't working for the owners to manage the rage of the workers as opposed to vice versa. It's just now, I, I'd say the, the thing that is so kind of shocking and that does feel very new is how incredibly like, hege like the, hege the cultural hegemony that capitalism has always used to reproduce itself is so singular. It's, you can't, I mean, you can't not see it in anything. It's in the culture that we, that we, that we consume. It's in the art that we look at. And it's certainly uh, in our politics. You know, what's so clever now is just like, they, they've made like just adhering to like a class only kind of analysis of politics, you know, gets you called a fascist. It's like, you know, they used to, during McCarthyism, you could smear people as communists, but now that communism has become kind of like trendy and acceptable, they just call people fascists. Right. And you know what I mean? Like, like, 
you know, Bordiga, I keep mentioning him, but he's like so essential for understanding this stuff in so many ways, like Italian communist. You know, he was writing about activism as opportunism, like, like, like during the Second World War or even before that. Oh, no shit. And, you know, yeah, he called activism the cancer of the workers movement. And, you know, that's all oh, that. Wow, yeah. yeah, and left politics now is just like NGO controlled activism. But like I said, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that there, there's still a certain inevitability to the mode of production collapsing because all economic systems collapse and capitalism is surely teetering closer and closer to crisis and its contradictions are becoming more apparent and alienation of working people is more pronounced than I remember it as, as society is less able to deliver things like the bare minimum that people need to live. Well, yeah, there's like literally that chart where it shows like not since the 1970s, like the the wages that 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 people get versus like um the ratio to like uh how the the expense of living today. Yeah. Um, and it's just like yes, it's like in the 1970s you you were like way better off. Like now, oh yeah, are, definitely. People, you know, like the economy is so fucked or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it is getting worse and worse. But yeah, at the same time. You know, it's like the, and I also want to talk to you a little bit about theory shit too, but you know how it goes from like, oh, you know, Foucault, you know, disciplinary society to now we're in like the societies of control to where, you know, like um, we're, it's all in your mind, you know, like, you know, we don't even have to, they don't even have to physically restrict us anymore, you know, um, I, because that's the thing too, is like, are we getting closer and closer uh, to revolution? Or are we getting further and further away from it? Um, I, I, well, here's the thing. I don't think the left as it exists now will not be a part of a revolutionary workers' politics. In fact, the apparatus as it stands itself will be one of the things. One of the enemies. One of the enemies. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. like yeah. these activist organizations, DSA, when that time comes, they will be smearing these angry workers as reactionaries, as fascists, as racist, and that is as racist and transphobic, transphobic, all of it, yeah. all of it, yeah. And but at the end of the day, that's just another one of the contradictions that needs to be overcome. Like the left-right binary is so fucking. Like I saw people, people get so mad, like online leftists get so mad when you can say you're a Marxist, but not a leftist, but they don't get mad about Nathan J. Robinson saying he's a leftist, but not a Marxist. He literally said um, Marx, like, what did he say that Marx did like a detriment or like he- He said Marx didn't ground his work in moralism and therefore he misunderstood the moralist potential of- Yeah, he also, he, he also has some clip of him saying that like Marx, uh, you know, like the left would be way better off if we never had Marx. That's the most- And it's just like, what the fuck? No, the, the Marx would be better off if he never had the left. If he never had the left, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, no, fucking yeah, and it's that's an also crazy thing too. Is like when I see a lot of on the theorygram shit, uh, people that are into Deleuze, 
to lose the guitar and shit. A lot of them were libs, you know, but if you actually read and going, that's why I fucking hate to lose the guitar and all this bullshit is, is how easily co-opted the writing is. Oh, um, interesting. By but the liberal apparatus. But that's the thing. If you go back and actually look at their shit, they are more on our side. You know, they're like, they would be post-leftist today. They'd be criticized the way we're criticized today. The Lose had some truly reactionary tendencies. But yeah. what's cool about Deleuze is exactly what you just said. He was much more of a philosopher than he was a political scientist. There's actually right. this. There's actually this clip of him where this, like, annoying uh, left-hearted activist journalist in France is asking him why he never got involved with the Communist Party and Deleuze just kind of like chuckles to himself and he's like why he's like I was working on philosophy I was working on I was working on my mind why would I I saw he oh what was his quote he goes I saw the greatest minds of my generation wasting their fucking lives handing out pamphlets, doing nothing. <laughs> Why would I want to do that? I had books to write. Right. And like, you know, like, yeah, a lot of libs do like to lose, but... Even back then, yeah, it was such a fucking um, LARP, you know, fucking yeah. like... And Foucault gets actually misunderstood a lot now, Oh too. my God, no, no, Foucault is the number one like most co-opted by this liberal intersectional definitely fucking weirdo shit you know he well, is he is the one of the most and then when you actually go back and read his shit he's so much i don't i don't it's it's incredibly interesting how like this kind of billion you know dollar apparatus of propaganda and like the fucking the uh the the powers that be or whatever and and how they can um you know critical race theory and the in the shit that they put in the academia right. and the people that they hire to do this complex shit but it's actually insane how much foucault has been co-opted oh definitely it's, like, it's very weird because his yeah, writing is so much different from well it's you know, very complicated yeah He's a very philosophically rigorous writer, and I have problems with Foucault, don't get me wrong, but I absolutely hate, like, the online Marxoids who will write off the work of anybody just because they're not a Marxist. That's not why you read. You don't read to right. read the same ideas. You read to make yourself think. And Foucault gets blamed a lot for, like, identity politics. But in fact, what he was saying is that liberalism by its nature has to create new categories of people to manage and control it's actually a critique of what was then i that's another thing is i literally think people get the opposite idea of what he's saying well, because I when like, i when i read foucault years ago when i first read foucault this was before i really even had friends and i was even involved with i wasn't even really in online communities you know so i i read foucault um outside of this whole like lefto left weirdo retarded community you know what i mean and then when i kind of got in the community and i seen like other foucault readers or other people that like foucault or whatever and, and the way that they thought of foucault's ideas i realized holy shit this this guy's actually been co-opted into this kind of liberal liberal shit um, yeah, Judith but it's, it was completely it was completely like uh different from the way i read it yeah because these guys were yeah, doesn't Judith Butler, well, like, she wrote a book about Foucault, didn't she? You know, she's well, Judith Butler considers herself a Foucaultian, but oh she Oh, my God. And she, and she voted for Kamala, right? <laughs> for, she endorsed Kamala, like, immediately in the primary. She was like, that's the, the bitch fuck? I want. 
and and then, and, and, then and then she was i know i hate her too and then fucking she was right i guess fucking she that's who ended up being the the top dog at the end of the day but um yeah no that is fucking hilarious right like judith butler she's like this whole Foucaultian or whatever and she's a kamala supporter yeah, well, these people back like, when it was like super uncool to be a Kamala supporter. Back when like Bernie was still a thing, like holy shit, you cannot stress this enough. How yeah, well, we- Judith Butler even uh, she did this interview with Zero Books, and Zero Books is such a mess these days. My oh, God. these days, I know. I used to love them. What the fuck is going on? I know, I know. Well, what, what is going on was- with these people? Mark Mark Fisher left and they replaced him with Doug Lane and Doug Lane (laughs) tries to do a two-step. Doug Lane at Ah. one time, uh, half the time- I want to talk with you about Mark Fisher too, but uh, go ahead. um, Half the time, Doug Lane wants to be known as this like very intellectually rigorous left communist, like no bullshit, but- And he also wants to be like, come on, come town and say a retarded and shit. They were awesome on that episode, though, because they were definitely I love, shitting they on were him. Fucking dude, with like, him. And, and, and Doug, I don't know if Doug's autistic or what was going on, but he, like, couldn't tell or he was just, like, letting them shit on him. But, like, this oh, guy publishes fucking, shit. he publishes Ben Burgess. Like, you're not, you're, oh, like, my you know fucking what I mean? God, the like, ben these Burgess, people yeah. are not serious intellectuals. So, like, so, like, one of these uh, people that writes for Zero Books, Matt McManus, he's a total fucking lib, but, like, like just the goofiest, like, like, the guy who claimed, like, becomes a socialist because he's, like, uh, like, a half man or something, you know? Like, he's a liberal but wants to be, like, extra moral or something. I don't know how to describe it. But he's interviewing Judith Butler. Oh, and, yeah, I watched some of that, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's the best, dude. She's obviously, like, such a federal informant. Like, so he's asking her... Angela so Davis you, type shit. Yeah, so he's like, do you support socialism? And she goes, well, I don't like that socialism empowers white male leftists. And I'm like, look, I don't like leftists either, but I don't think you know what the fuck you're talking about. Right. Like, it's all a joke. Oh, yeah. No, fucking, um, no, speaking of Mark Fisher, too, fucking, uh, um, Mark Fisher is, uh, it's a really weird situation because when you look at what he, he, uh, passed away, like, what, four years ago or some shit? Um, yes. A lot of shit has changed since then. 2017, I believe, is when it, is when it happened, but, uh, a lot of shit has changed since then, and, there's kind of this war. Also, I I I'm, I don't want to brag or whatever, but I very did help popularize the Mark Fisher, especially on the Theory Graham shit. But uh, no, like I, there's a lot of fucking Mark Fisher people or whatever. There's kind of this thing with like, oh, what would Mark Fisher be today? You know, would he be more on this liberal left thing? Because at the time in 2017, you know, he was very, you know, uh, you know, exiting the Vampire Castle. You know, he was his whole thing was like he was like one of the first post leftist right. type people. You know what I mean? And uh, we're, like, the most popular, you know, at the time and, like, fucking, you know, like, really doing it. And um, there are just a lot of people that are fans of his that are still kind of liberal, you know, that oh, are still definitely. on liberal well, bullshit, you know. Well, Fisher was very beholden to the Labor Party to his detriment. And I actually have – I mean, he was an it amazing – was back then, too, so, I mean – Yeah, but, I mean, the Labor Party had been what it is now for a long time. And I, I don't get me wrong, I love Mark's work. 
He was an incredible cultural theorist and an amazing pathologist of cultural tendencies. As far as a theorist of class struggle, I do think he had some limitations, certainly more beholden to electoralism than I think was necessary. And certainly um, the, the biggest critique I have of Mark Fisher is that and Ephraim Karabach, who's in the Platypus Review, wrote a pretty good piece about this. Oh, yeah. Uh, a shit Platypus says they're cool. Yeah. Yeah. They're one of the only left organizations that I can stomach. And I, they, they do um, one of their people, Lori Rojas, does an art magazine called Sasura Magazine that published one of my bigger essays last year. Oh, nice. But Mark Fisher, towards the end, became really, I mean, given his work, strangely enthusiastic about Corbynism. Yeah, isn't that strange? Because the whole thing of yeah. capitalist realism is like, oh, you know. Well, that's what fucked. I was just going to say. Yeah. <laughs> that is yeah. weird. That is he, very largely, he largely capitulated to the very capitalist realism that he made his career criticizing and conceptualizing. Right. That said, one of the freakiest things to me is that three writers and artists that were all hugely important to me and that I, in a weird way, see as being kind of connected. David Foster Wallace, the artist Mike Kelly, and Mark Fisher. All three of these guys came up, uh, Gen X, postmodernism, all critics of entertainment, pop culture, all critics of the ways that entertainment shapes our depression and our mental illness, very politically different. And yet they all landed upon a certain critique of life in late capitalism, all committed suicide. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't know who Mike Kelly years. is. Oh, was it in the same few years too? Yeah, Mike Kelly was, I want to say 2016. Holy shit, that is weird. No, because I know who David Foster Wallace is. Yeah, Mike Kelly, 2012. David Foster Wallace was uh, 2008. So literally all within four years of each other. That is very weird, yeah. Yeah, I, I want to write a piece about that eventually because... Mark Fisher's I mean, suicide is like a very like touchy, you know, I've seen people kind of like meme on it and people get kind of weird about it. But then it's yeah. so like, it's so, it's so kind of part of his thing. You know what I mean? Like, and well, of course he was, a, he was writing about depression. Yeah. Right. Literally. And, uh, and fucking, um, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah. Well, like half of his, probably more than half of his fucking fans found him after you know, he offered himself or whatever, you know what I mean? Definitely. Or, you know, that they probably, that's how they even know who he is, you know? Yeah, most people. I knew him, um, I used to subscribe to The Wire magazine, and he was one of their big critics in the mid-naughties. I mean, and he was writing, like, amazing stuff about Burial and The Caretaker and, you know, conceptualizing Oh, yeah, his music shit, yeah. Thing. Yeah, because that's what he was, like, he was a pop culture critic first and foremost. And, right. like, you know, because he came out of CCRU and Nick Land and all those guys and girls. 
and Sadie Plant. Yeah, Sadie Plant, of course. And you know, his first uh, his his doctoral thesis was Flatlines Constructs, which was basically dealing with um, uh, postmodernity, but through the prism of like cyberpunk and William Skip William Gibson. So he was really like a pop culture writer. And honestly, like Mark Fisher, what's great about him is he's almost just as much of an artist as he is a political philosopher. And certainly that's very influential on me and the shit that I do. But I do think at the end, you know, between uh, the Corbin, the Corbin enthusiasm and also even though acid communism is a cool idea, I don't think a lack of imagination is the thing that was like preventing a mass politics. I think, you know, certain developments in capitalism and otherwise uh, are much more responsible for that. But that said, I mean, he left an incredible body of work and one that will surely grow in importance as we move forward. Yeah, for sure. Um, no, yeah, he's definitely he's definitely a fucking uh, a, a, a a strange. It's a very strange. His, he has a strange situation, like I said, because he definitely has like a lot of people that are more on the lib shit, and you know, and it's so it's so like opposite to his work or whatever. Um, okay, what well, is okay? Go ahead. But I, yeah, at the same time, like. That's not so unusual. Like that's not, and we were just talking about how, yeah, like, you know, that's yeah. what happened to Foucault. I have, uh, that's what happened know, to and I, like, I'm not like a reactionary, but I certainly get a lot out of reading, you know, whoever, uh, Ernst Jünger, for instance, or or Louis Ferdinand Celine. I have political differences with those guys, and yet I still find a lot of insight. And, I, and good ideas and what they do. It's just the problem with liberals getting into something is they instantly try to recuperate and bend it to their, ide to their own ideology. And that's why I think it becomes like specifically more nefarious when they get a hold of anything. Right. Okay, I have a question. Um, I think it's kind of a cringe question, but the listeners will berate me every time I don't ask every guest this. But um, what drugs do you do? I've heard you mention taking shrooms on your podcast. I'm a big fan of shrooms. Actually. Oh, yeah. Um, my wife and I did shrooms on New Year's. Nice. Uh, as far as I, I was addicted to heroin for a couple, like a couple times uh, earlier in my 20s. And then I relapsed. And then I got, I've been clean now since 2011. Nice. And. Nice. Uh, I've done everything, but because of that pre-existing, uh, <laughs> because of that history, I don't do anything besides edibles. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Just edibles. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. Very cool. But my book, uh, you know, since this is uh, a drug a drug enthusiast podcast. Oh, yeah. My book, I don't want to give too many details away, but it will be dealing with art and literary history and opioid addiction and my deadline's in a couple months but it should be out in the fall so keep oh hell yeah out. dude 
I'm I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah. There's also something else. Fuck it. Oh yeah, did you want to talk about uh, crypto transgression? Ah yes, absolutely. So I got this big long essay coming out. Do you know who Philip Best is? Uh no. All right, so Philip Best is. Uh, he was like a really pioneering noise musician. He was in a band, a power electronics band from the UK from the early 80s called White House. And he was also, he's also in a solo noise project that he calls Consumer Electronics. This was like really amazing for me because I'm a huge, like I'm a noise head or whatever. And I'm a huge fan of his, but somehow he became a fan of my, of my writing. Oh, nice. And um, he's got a publishing company now called Amphetamine Sulfate. How's that for drug content? Right. <laughs> uh, and Amphetamine Sulfate publishes mainly transgressive kind of fiction and, and transgressive poetry. But he's starting underneath the Amphetamine Sulfate imprint. He's starting a culture magazine that's going to be called ASSF. He asked me to do a survey of transgression in contemporary art. And this was like, I just had such a hard time writing this thing because transgression is such a weird concept right now. Right now, especially too, yeah. And, and you even talk about that in your piece, the Paul McCarthy piece. Like, yeah. It's so because it's such a weird thing because back in the day it was, it was such like a it was such a you know oh you know you're you're like a radical and art was so radical or whatever yeah and being, a, part being of it. a communist was was something that's supposed to be like um, you know bad or whatever and then now like you know communism is fucking like they want you to say you're a communist like that yeah it's all cringe you know, it's all cringe bullshit yeah but uh go ahead yeah so basically because uh, culture now. And this is basically, I mean, I just really think it's like economic development that we're at the point now where capitalism is able to just like reproduce its own descent and all these labels start to lose meaning anyways. Like right. what even more weird than that, and this is, I think, a development in the, like for me, I'm pretty much totally canceled from like polite art and literary society. But if I do want to drop something with a bigger publisher, it's right-wing leaning journals and magazines that are upholding this like bourgeois conception of free speech and debate. Like Chris Buskirk at American Greatness has published my work. Um, I Am 1776 has published my work. For some reason, the right now is the place that's going to be publishing dissident thought but from the left or the right, basically. And that's just because the hegemony has swallowed left media whole. But sorry, that's like a separate thought. But cryptographic transgressive art. So I was trying to figure out how transgression actually works in a society that is able to so carefully reproduce and control its own descent. And then I was thinking about the internet and how we encrypt our identities as a means of like, as a means of basically protecting ourselves uh, beneath anonymity to publish our most unadulterated ideas. So I translated this to the visual art that I currently think is 
the most fascinating. So think about the literature of people like uh, William Gibson, who has become an insufferable shit lib, but certainly his writing was still great. Or like Thomas Pynchon. These guys would write stories like, like Pynchon's uh, Crying of Lot 49, or William Is he Was he like a cyberpunk writer, Thomas Pynchon? Or Pynchon like, or... was uh, influential on cyberpunk, but preceded it a bit. Did he write that? What was that movie with Joaquin Phoenix? Fucking um... Inherit Vice, correct. Yeah, I fucked with that. Yeah, and uh, that's actually a good example here. So, so William Gibson, Thomas Pynchon, these guys, part of their work is about how it's about conspiracy and how everything starts to feel like a, a, a code that needs to be decoded or a pattern that's that you struggle to recognize. And then apophenia or like the psychosis of finding meaning and pattern in everywhere you look becomes part of the aesthetic. It becomes the formal content of the thing. So cryptographic transgressive art or crypto transgression encrypts the transgressive content to such a degree that to your average looker, it won't even be detected. But to those that are still looking to have their minds expanded or their minds blown a little bit, it can become a gripping subjective aesthetic experience of you're trying to understand what is being said here. You're trying to understand what ideology or what orthodoxy is being challenged, but at the same time, you're not sure. So the crypto transgression, the crypto transgression is, it's, it's, it's those, it's, it, it, it's, it presents itself as an assault on the logic of like a globalized society itself. And it does that by mimicking the logic of liquid modernity where everything is fluid, no meaning is really fixed or solid. Everything is constantly in flux. And through that, it opens up a tiny little hole in the fabric of the spectacle itself, which you can actually see the truth of the matter. And this to me is the only way that, because transgressive art now, I mean, you'll go to a show, you'll go to an art show and you'll see some woman artist has like presented like, there's like whatever, bloody fucking sculpture uteruses all over the floor. And it's disgusting but it's not transgressive because it's basically reaffirming the dominant ideology of liberal feminism. Right. So crypto transgression is harder to understand, but much more subversive. Is it kind of a thing with like, you know, irony and then like this idea of like post irony where there's like these, these layers to like, uh, you know, maybe jokes and what people are saying and kind of cultural commentary um, where people kind of have to maybe like make it a joke or encrypt it in some kind of way. Yeah, it's both a, I don't know if I want to say irony, but it's a dual process. One, it is a strategy of self-protection. And I right. don't mean that in like a cowardly kind of way. And that was kind of what the issue I took with Paul McCarthy is in a sense, he was trying to do a crypto transgression 
but he also was trying to say something utterly obvious. And sometimes if you got that much power and clout and you're, and you're hinting at something so obvious, then just fucking say it. Right. A crypto transgression is, it's more than just a self-protection. It's, it's a way of signaling to, to the uninitiated, so to speak. It's a way of subverting people that are deeply propagandized and and like and and it also like the way i imagine it is it takes on like the logic of a virus like a crypto transgression once it works on some person then that person will spread it to other people that are willing to accept this virus into their minds this piece of truth or this piece of reality right yeah, yeah i definitely think that's the thing too with um with the internet and uh, the way kind of like people have to like make a name for themselves through the kind of commentary game or, or whatever, whether you're like a writer or podcaster, et cetera. Um, but uh, that's definitely a thing with, um, I, I, I think it's definitely really like an internet thing too. And it's kind of like, um, you, I think you also said something about uh, a little bit with, 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 with what I read um something about with like people being anonymous you know and um like i was saying too like it's pretty smart too like the fed post you know i i literally look back and i'm like well fuck i mean i wish i just stayed at not or just never <laughs> try to keep my identity fucking you know um yeah. but uh it's 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 i i definitely think it, it there's something with like yeah like you know people people are literally scared for people coming for them you know what i mean if they say certain shit um yeah but uh, yeah, I definitely think like that's an idea worth looking into because that's really how we're going to be able to get to change people's minds, you know, and, and, and this kind of like weird, this weird spot we're at with the left, you know, and how like being a leftist, being like a leftist or, you know, quote unquote communist or whatever, like that's popular now, you know, and that's like, okay. And, you know, the powers that be are like, okay with doing that. So I definitely think like that is very of our time, the kind of crypto transgression, uh, you know, that, that idea. Um, yeah. It, but yeah, it's yeah. definitely something, go ahead. No, no, sorry. Finish your thought. Oh no. Yeah. I was saying like, it's definitely something that we would have to like, that's definitely something we would look into with like, like I said, with getting people, getting people on our side, you know, but it's kind of weird too, because whenever you know let's say the whole post left thing like it's almost like that's almost cia made shit because you know when you when when we like we we push ourselves away from other people you know and then like if you're just if people look at you as like just being a right winger or whatever um that's the kind of thing with trying like to balance you know and i even thought that was the thing with moment ps5 or he valenciaga whatever the fuck he goes by or whatever you know I, I like I always think some people are trying to do like a balance, you know, like they they want to they want to be accepted in the popular left sphere, which I think can, can be useful, but they're trying to like kind of kind of like a crypto, you know, put in like, you know, real shit, you know, Marxist shit in there. That's obviously not what he what he was doing, but I think sometimes that's what people are trying to do. But it's, um, a, it's a useless endeavor, though. I mean, yeah, right. These I mean, people it, will just there's suck just no it up. way of getting around it. Yeah, they'll they'll suck it up and destroy it, and that's not because they're brainwashed. It's because they're fucking bourgeois. Right. That's that's what we have to remember here. Like, 
the left doesn't need to be, there is no fixing the left. It's a bourgeois political structure. It needs to be rejected and fought as part of the problem. And I totally, I'm not against uh, anonymous internet accounts by any means. I totally, I totally get why people protect themselves. But at the same time, I also feel none of this shit should be taboo. Like, yeah, right. That's the whole thing. Debate. Yeah, this is political And when you go debate. out and talk to normal people, they literally will look at you like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you're a crazy person or whatever. Like, if you try to explain to them why, you know, people people hate you or whatever and the whole post-left thing, it's like the everyday people, you know, like, they, they, they see our, they, they, they hear what we have to say and, you know, that's obviously what they think. And then when, when you're tied into this whole weird left sphere on the internet, um, it's just like a different world, you know? And it's like, people yeah. are so, people are so ideologically uh, away from like the normal person in society. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, but then again, too, you know, you see the pronouns and bio shit becoming more and more popular, you know? So it's scary. I don't know. Yeah, um, but that's more just, more, those are all bougie, like, the, these are bougie fucking people. Like, the, they're, poly, like, it's not, I think what is very important to understand is that this shit is not a bug, it's a feature. Right. The identity fetishization, the performative pronoun, all this kind of stuff is a feature of a reactionary bourgeois politics they're not they're not doing this absent and oh, okay so yes sure some people are just fucking brainwashed but like the main people <laughs> right the main people it is a function of their own specific political interests they are incentivized to push a political theory that's basically an Ouroboros. It goes around and round and it doesn't accomplish anything because it's not meant to accomplish anything but their own climbing up the social ladder. So we have to stop thinking entirely about like, there is like, there's no amount of like, there's no amount of like compromise or, or like uh, tone massaging to these politics that'll like fix the left and reorient it back to the proletariat because the left is a bourgeois political formation. This shit is- In the first place, right. Right, they're they're doing reactionary politics on behalf of their class interests. And the reason that it's so dangerous right now is that they're actually becoming more and more powerful. I mean, think about like uh, Oakland last week. Oakland just signed, uh, announced a city law that is going to give $500 a month COVID relief to only poor black families. People. Yeah. yeah that's or like, not, not if you're white. Yeah, like, just yeah, just black poor people. What the fuck? And yeah, that I heard is, something about that, and that's real. That is real policy that just oh, got Oh, that's that. 100% real. <laughs> Bro, like what, these motherfuckers, how the fuck do they test, you know, because I don't, that's the thing too, with like the whole meme, like non-black, ha- black or non-black, but like <laughs> my dad's, my dad's half black and like, um, I only know like the black side of my family, uh, mm-hmm. 
And you know, I don't appear black. Like, am I going to get that $500? You know what I mean? Like, do they have it's to the same thing with like reparations too? Like yeah, what happens right. if you're like 98% white, but 2%, you know, do they test your man. fucking blood or how the fuck are, are they going to decide who gets it? Who yeah. doesn't? I mean, race science is a total feature of left politics now. I but- know, right? That's the whole thing. Is like that's why I mean, that's why I even fucked with Adolf Reed was because you know he really talked about this extensively about how yeah. race is even um, misunderstood and even like modern science today. You know, not even oh, the political- definitely just in just in the way that we we look at doctors and how doctors treat people and shit. There's actually a lot of a uh, um, there's actually a lot of critiques of that just in the science part of it. Um, yeah. yeah, the whole race science shit is such a trip. What the fuck? I mean, that's why I literally like throwing back the fascism label at the at the liberals when they well, call they us fascists or whatever. They're definitely authoritarian. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's like you guys are, you know, like fuck, we're the fascists. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, this these the the I, fat. There's like so many just misunderstandings. Like people think fascism is like just like a racist political formation, but fascism is a specific political economy that enforces a totalitarian cultural hegemony. So it it doesn't have to be like anti-Semitic. It could be anti-Islam or anti-poor white. It could be whatever the fuck you- Anti-poor white, exactly. Um, But it's about having that, you know, that that, uh, cultural hegemony over a certain class and a certain group of people. Yeah, using state power to enforce one mode of thinking and, and believing right like and this is just what i i don't know how we fucking got i mean i do understand how we got here but the fact that so many people capitulate to these ideas or that like think living in a society where you where you have to be this one thing like i i still remember the 90s when my when my like normie liberal parents would say respect people's religious beliefs respect people treat people like how you want to be treated just because you have different politics doesn't like all these fucking ideas and they're just like gone now collapse yeah right and it's like it's like they took all the all the worst parts of liberalism and just kept that well cuz i think another thing i mean cuz like marxism marxism when it's a proletarian politics is anti-orthodoxic in nature because working people fighting for their own means um you have to overlook people's flaws because it's not the it's not the point is to is to create some sort of like ultra harmonious like culture everybody agrees with each other no it's to make demands for your lives so it takes on a much more material impact but marxism in the hands of the bourgeoisie becomes a kink and a perversion and an academic fucking jerk off session right and i i i mean i really think with this thing in like oakland or the way that they're reporting upon the anti-asian crimes like it just fucks them up so bad because these crimes aren't being committed by white nationalists they're being committed largely by black and brown people but right it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're, they're right. committing fucking crimes because they're angry and poor, and yeah. the government yeah, has poor. left them to fuck, like, hang out and dry 
for a year and a fucking half now. Right. So, so when you racialize every political issue to this degree, it would be very easy to watch the news right now and come to the conclusion, oh, I guess black people just, all black people hate Asian people. See, that's what, that's, they want. that's what they want. They want you just to talk about anything else besides anything, what you yeah. just said. The fact that the fucking government is leaving people to fucking die. You know what I mean? Like, if you can talk about race, if you could talk about gender, absolutely anything fucking else beside the fact that the government's not giving us fucking money, you know, then, then that they, they will support that and they will fucking push that. Yeah, because it's useful. It's very, very useful to use these incredibly divisive ideas to confuse and scare people. I really think with this, I really do think they want like nonstop race war. I mean, yeah, right. I really think well, they that's do, the like, whole thing. The whole the whole thing, like there's this theory, you know, it's been the past like hundred years, like the oh, capitalists, you know, they want to pit the races against each other, you know, because if 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 the you know the poor people all came together, then we'd be powerful. You know, it's like this has literally been a thing for the past hundred years, and we just have not figured it out, or just the liberal apparatus is so fucking powerful <laughs> that just most people have not figured that out, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I know. I, I will say, I will say, I do think that there are people that are coming on to the the kind of anti-id poll shit, and that are more and more people are looking at the kind of Black Lives Matter Inc. You know, and being like, you know, this is some sketchy shit going on. So, I mean, I think, I think, I think, you know, we're we're uh, we're on a winning side, you know, or or we're eventually, you know, I I think there is hope. Yeah, the only political side I'm on is. Working people. Working people, right. You know, like... Abolish the DNC. Abolish, yeah, exactly. And, um... All my politics is just, I hate liberals. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I hate libs, and, you know, I think we just need to stop, like, caring about what's left, what's right. It doesn't, I mean, all that matters is that we have a political economy that thrives on the exploitation and alienation of people that we care about. And it's beginning to show its cracks and its contradictions ever more. You know, the thing that really just kind of fucking sucks about everything though is like, politics have been fucked my entire life. So it's not like I can be that shocked that they just keep getting worse. Right. But like these activist orgs now, are so, they're so like powerful and all encompassing that they infiltrate and pervert like everything that you care about. And then all of a sudden you can't escape it. I mean, I go on fucking Criterion channel now to watch my favorite Fassbender or Pasolini movies. And there's like, they used to have scrolling feeds of great filmmakers. And now it's like, the Black Lives Matter sponsor. Oh my God! I knew it's, you were. <laughs> yeah, you know like, what I mean. Women's all women's movies are you all know, women's. Yeah, I mean, and there's like great women filmmakers, but why can't they just be great filmmakers? Why can't like, they be great filmmakers? Right, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think Catherine Briar or whatever wants to be the greatest female filmmaker of France. She wants to be one of the great filmmakers of France. Like, it's just so obvious to me that. It's just so obvious to me that we're living in this like grotesque control society 
and whatever. If that makes me fucking, you know, people love throwing reactionary label my way. And if, you know, believing that everyone has inherent worth, uh, you know, based on who they are and not their ascriptive identity personality or their identity prescriptions makes me a reactionary, then fuck it, I'll eat the label. Right. You know, I guess, whatever. But I, I do think things are, I don't know if it's going to happen during our lifetime, but uh, contradictions are widening faster than they ever have been in my lifetime. And I do think, uh, you know, a lot of, like think about like Herbert Marcuse or whatever. This guy got like depressed after there wasn't a communist revolution in Germany during the Weimar Republic and then like spent his entire life doing like gay id poll. Yeah, have you seen Matt Taibbi's piece on him? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that so was really good. good. So funny. And so many people hated that too. Yeah, um, well, Doug Lane was like, is Matt Taibbi a one-dimensional critic? I'm like, shut the fuck oh, up. Oh, yeah, did, did he make a fucking video or some shit? Um, I don't even think I watched that. Yeah, he watched, he made a video. All I could think of was Jesse Lee Peterson going, beta! <laughs> no, yeah, right, the fucking Chad, Matt Taibbi, beta, Ben Burgess. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I just want, you know, I haven't given up on, on Marxism by any means. And I do think of like my homies and what my political homies, not so much my art homies, my political, I, I don't have many art homies anymore, as you would assume, but I do have a few who are like really I mean, based the in their world, private fuck, That lives. is like the most, that is like the most like ate up, like liberal ate up yeah, fucking. Bougie, like, it's the most culture, bourgeois, bougie, woke, yeah. When, you know, rich people fucking bullshit. Uh, yeah, yeah, like rich people, like rich, like uh, POC girls pretending that they are, you know, uh, oppressed inner oppressed. city kids. Yeah, yeah. Right. Pe people oh love God. to no, throw it is, around. Such a... No, go ahead. People love to throw the word oppression. There's not one exhibition that I got sent. All right, I'll just, this is a funny fucking story. So I'm very public, like we said, right? Like you can Google me and a bunch of shit will come up. And this publicist, and I, this is really, my wife is an arts publicist. So we have like, like tons of conflicts of interest between our work. But this publicist emailed me and was like, dear Adam, I saw that you write about the art. Oh, God. I think you would like this exhibition, which is an abstract painter who is influenced by the color palette of the Power Rangers. Like that was an actual fucking email. I was like, who the fuck would look me up and decide, oh, this guy would really like the Power Ranger exhibition. So yeah, right. like, I mean, these, it's crazy, man. Like every art world exhibition now is about oppression or gender oppression or whatever. Yeah, the art whatever. people. The, the yeah. art kids, the whole thing is that they're all very rich. Of and, course. And they want to be poor so fucking bad. It is just the funniest shit in the world. Like, yeah. I, went, I took a trip to New York fucking not too long ago. I have a lot of friends out there that I met online or whatever. And just, oh my fucking God, these kids are so rich. Well, they're not really kids, but fucking, you know, fucking, you know, like, 
Um, but they're fucking, you know, like they're, they're fucking grown 30 something year old people. And like, they're still completely living off their parents type rich. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 totally. And, you know, they want to be like, yeah, inner city poor kids so badly. (laughs) It is the funniest shit in the world. The way that they dress, the way that they talk, it's fucking, oh my God. Yeah, it's, well, it's oppression is the ultimate social capital. Social capital, yeah. It's like, well, dude, the whole thing of rap culture, you know, and like, oh, I'm from the hood, you know, that's cool. You know what I mean? And it's just, yeah, no, it's so funny. Well, you know, for me, I was trying to be a visual artist for quite a while. And until I, and I had a couple shows, but career kind of collapsed on its face. And then I transitioned to writing. And I'm glad I did. I feel much more creatively satisfied doing what I do now. But I know, this is probably controversial to say, but I know part of it is the fact that I'm a white Jewish, petty bourgeois kid, you know? So that's not a marketable position to be in anymore. And to some extent, that's fine. I get it. I get that, you know, it's, good to like diversify the art world but they diversified it in a way where it's like it's still like not that diversified because there's only one way you're allowed to think and there's only one economic class that you can come from right you know my uh, a friend of mine Raph he runs this gallery called MX Gallery uh, which is named after Malcolm X and yeah and he used to be much more like leftist but he probably hangs out with me too much now because he hates all that shit now too but he's like this um he's a he's a black curator and he was going to do this show called race politics dilute class consciousness and it was going to be like super based yeah but he couldn't find Yeah, but he couldn't find like any artists who were willing to put willing their name to do on that. Stuff. Yeah, holy shit! I mean, and, dude, and, if you're trying to make money in the art world, yeah, I mean, there's just hell, hell no, you're not gonna do that. Yeah, man, and he also like he even though he's like the exact kind of identity that the art world loves to fetishize, you know, thirty year old good looking black guy from a working class background, because he has politics that are more complicated than the left libtardation that they love. He doesn't get put on any of the like 30 under 30 curator lists or anything like that. So it's really, it's not even about diversity. It's about cultural hegemony. Yeah, right. Because when you do finally find some black guy that is willing to fucking say like, oh, fuck the race shit, they don't listen to him either. They'll just call him a fascist too, or call him an Uncle Tom or whatever, which is so fucked. I've had a lot of of my friends uh, who are black who are on the fucking whole like anti-id pole shit. They literally white, a lot of his women, but white women, fucking white people in general will literally call these black people Uncle Toms. Is that not the most racist <laughs> shit you've ever heard in yeah, your fucking life or what? It's like, re- really bad. It's fucking insane. You know, yeah, it's, it's fucking hilarious. But, uh, Upside down, props on the Jumbotron, wait up.
won't ever have to think, no, you're heading to be linked directly to your cell phone. The virus is alive, I can see it in your eyes, the infection is full blown. Career killer, double decker, packed with suicidal vibes. Or off here in a filthy dream about splitting your bitch's thighs. Enters through unknowing eyes, touch the keys, it's in your mind. Can't delete it and soon you'll find how bad you need it all the time. Just stop.